0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network.
0: The former Arkansas Razorback baseball player, Tyler Spoon.
1: We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show SUI winner, and the <laughs> former head lead at Cornell, Sarah Spain.
2: D1Baseball.com editor, Aaron Fit
0: And current Razorback freshman star, Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate, a former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. A razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley.
1: Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes.
0: Welcome in to episode 224 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host Kyle Sutherland alongside coach Kevin Bohannon and Porter Hayes and whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast forum we appreciate you for coming to hang out with us. If you're on one of the forums be sure and hit that subscribe button if you have not already and if you're on Apple podcast if you could be so kind to leave us a five-star rating and written review help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you as always by our friends at BetOnline. They've got you covered. Or they've got you covered for all pro and college action this season. New updated website and interface, plus even more odds, props and contests. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your Bonus From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. They are your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And I know it seems like for some the end of the world after the Hogs lost to Auburn 38-23 to on Saturday and now are on a three-game losing streak. But if you come down to earth a little bit and step outside – you will see the sun did rise again on Sunday, and weather your and the weather over the past few days has been absolutely magnificent compared to what we've had these summer temperatures here in October. But I know it's a tough season, guys. But look, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I said that this could possibly happen at least two or three times in a solo segment back in August, where if the Razorbacks start off hot or they get hot maybe in the middle of the season, that. Things could seem like we might get to the 8-9 win mark. And while I do believe that it's still reachable to get at least probably to 7 or so, um, we're not. this pretty much, this loss to Auburn basically takes us out of a big bowl game. It certainly got us out of winning the SEC West, which I don't think many thought we were going to do anyways. But at the end of the day, we still have to, and we'll get into some of the specifics of it, but you still have to remember where we were as a team last year, where we were as a team before that in the Sam Pittman era, and where we have come at this point. And, Cable, I'll start with you on your take of the game. I actually didn't get to see the entire game in full, but I know you guys both watched it. I saw some of the highlights, and I watched a little bit uh, of the first and third quarters all the way to the end of it. But, look, I'm disappointed just like everybody else is, but I don't think that we need to just completely give up on this coaching staff yet.
2: No doubt. And I, I said yesterday after the game that fans want perfection, and that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable for any team. I got a buddy that's a University of Georgia fan. He don't think they should give up any first rounds with the team they have. That's unrealistic. And if they give up a touchdown, it's like the world's ending. They were up 17 points. He's like, well, I can breathe, and now we're up 23. So <laughs> take that and put it in Arkansas's perspective, all right? Porter, you and I have lived this season already. This is 2003 all over again. Start yep. out 4 0, beat Texas at Texas, get into the top 10, lose three straight. So we, we, we've we seen this play out before. The only problem is back in 2003, we were coming off an SEC championship game appearance where we lost to Georgia in 02. We're coming out of the depths of despair under Chad Morris right now. And it's, it's, and Roller coaster of emotions is is the best way to put it. And, Porter, you said that multiple times yesterday. It's just so many dramatic swings that people just can't focus on the big picture. I've seen fire everyone. I've seen time for Pittman to go. Do you think he's lost the locker room? That's the most ridiculous thing ever. People are open to their opinions. I get that. But their opinions. That's not the state of the program right now. We are in a better place than what we have been. Yes, we've lost three straight. We knew that this four game stretch was going to be really tough because at the time when we started, all four teams were ranked, and it, you've lost, you've lost three three different ways. All three games you got blown out, was in a shootout, and then beat Auburn statistically,
1: and it didn't show up on the scoreboard. Yeah, you said it. I mean, the statistics. I mean, you outgained them, you outrushed them, you outpassed them. Your down conversion was way better than theirs. It, it, it's frustrating. The the word that when I mean, we were talking yesterday, is like this is the most frustrating game I've seen this year. Uh, you could start, and I'm not blaming everything on, on the ref's call. That was a huge momentum swing, giving them the ball at, at the 16. That was the fumble. It's deja vu all over again. You know, he, they blew the whistle way too soon, so they had to stand by their whistle. You know, if he would have just kept – his mouth shut on the whistle, let the play unfold, seeing that he fumbled the ball, Arkansas would have got back. Number two, when you're needing points and you're in the third quarter, you you can't start chasing the game already in the third quarter. They passed up a field goal, easy points, and went for it on fourth and three or fourth and four. So now when you're in the pistol or shotgun formation, you're seven yards behind the the first down marker. So now you've got, instead of being fourth and one – now it's like the fourth and seven when you give the running back the ball, and you can't do that because, one, you had a great drive. You, you're giving the momentum right back to Auburn, and then what happened the very next play? They threw that 70-yard bomb and scored on the very next play. Two, or third, was that punt, and they mentioned it yesterday, just how that flip field, instead of catching the punt on the 30-yard line, it takes a big Auburn bounce. Now you're in the red zone, your own red zone, and KJ, as much as we talk about how good he is, you cannot let them fumble the ball in the end zone. You've got to throw that away, risk taking the safety over a touchdown. And just the play, there was it was a lot of things. Like you said, they've lost games three different ways, but this game had three different ways that frustrated me on what they did wrong yesterday yesterday. And they should have won this game. If you, you put the statistics side by side, Arkansas looked like they should have won this game by 14, 21 points.
0: And I know that none of us are uh, blame the refs guy and Porter. I think you said it perfectly there is, yes, they have definitely played a part, not just in Saturday's game, but especially in 2020. If there's ever a game that I look back on and I could possibly say that, hey, this, the refs, even though there was plenty of games or plenty of plays that that could have turned the tide of the game, before what happened with Bo Nix with 28 seconds left into the 2020 matchup. Yes, that was a game that I think that you could probably say, okay, yes, the refs had a maybe the biggest impact on it. But there is no question in these particular two games, with Auburn in particular, that they did have a massive impact. But it is just extremely exhausting. And I know you guys can certainly agree with me on this. When you just go through the timeline, and I look, the, the memes are funny. About the that one going around with the referee with the Auburn colors on and stuff. I, that's yeah, it's all fun and games. That's what the internet is for. But also too, when you actually break down the film, that's kind of what I did since I didn't see the game live and I was watching the parts that I did. Is I can point out, pl- just like Ole Miss had plenty of holding calls in this, especially in the second half that were not called. We had stuff that wasn't called, too. You you can't just have your cake and eat it, too. You have to talk about the things that were on Arkansas. So these people that have this mindset that the SEC and, and the referees are out to get the Razorbacks, I think that is just absolutely asinine. And talking about the offense there, KJ has been one of the best, especially you think about from when he came in and he had to endure a Chad Morris year. And then last year... Played a, started one game and got some playing time and then has become one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this year. Let's talk about Kendall Bryles for a second. Now, look, I'm not crazy about all of his play calling, but also at the same time, too, you have to think about the development of KJ, who is his coach, Kendall Bryles. And also, too, he doesn't have a ton, outside of the running backs and Traylon Burks, who's just next level good and will be on the next level very quickly in the NFL draft. You think about the no production at tight end. We've talked about that, besides maybe blocking here and there. Warren Thompson, yeah, he's been a pretty good receiver. Tyson Moore has been a pretty good receiver. But outside, the running game has been fine, has been good, very good. But outside of that, nobody takes into consideration that that he has Traylon Burks, and that's essentially it through the air. And KJ has still had this good of a season so far. And so that's nothing that is ever taken into account. It's just fire kindle. Now, I put on my Facebook status that I think that he should be looked at for other reasons. I've always thought that. And I still think that to this day, nobody's going to change my mind until it actually happens, which it won't. But from a coaching standpoint, I really don't think that he has done close to as bad of a job as he has made out to be.
2: No. And yeah, the, the, go ahead, Devin. The, the thing is, there were situational play calling that I didn't agree with yesterday. And that's just coming from an an old offensive coordinator's standpoint. Okay, uh, earlier this year it's fourth and three and you get under center and sneak it. But yesterday it's fourth and one and you're in the gun. You know, that type of thing. If you're down on your own goal line and you have – you don't have quick routes, quick route combinations or stop routes, uh, hitch routes, they used to be called – He's got to stand back there, pump, look. You don't have time for all that. That puts a lot of pressure on your quarterback. Yes, he needs to protect the ball. But th- there's a lot of things that Browse has done really well. It's, there's a couple of things you just kind of scratch your head at and be like, really? That that It's kind of like the outfits you wear one night. Your wife looks at you and you're like, really? That's what you're going with tonight? <laughs> so th- that, that's kind of how I look at it. And you, you, that's just you, that's what you roll with. You roll with the punches with this. You're still averaging 460 yards a game. They got into Auburn territory five straight times yesterday and only had ten points. So it's it's not the fact that they're not moving the ball. They're not the running game's doing great. They're averaging 240 yards on the ground. There, there's just times where the miscues and everything just absolutely kill a drive, and that's where you don't score the points that you really need.
1: Well, we talked about that earlier in the season that that the red zone woes. You know, you've got to be able to score, touchdowns when you get in the red zone. Yes, field goals are at nice Everything, but you can't go in the red zone and, and always settle for a field goal, and, and you said it perfectly with the, the play calling. It takes them so long to de- for a play to develop when you're roll- – all he does is roll out to where you're giving the defense, if you're only five yards away from the goal line, I mean, their defense is just cramped in. There's not much space, so you're basically – praying for somebody to have an open window to where you can get it to them. And so that's something they need to really work on. But I don't think that they need to even think, consider about like firing Bryles or firing Odom. Guys, when the season come in, this was a six, five, maybe six win team. What what are expectations of this team? It it was funny. It's like the old Arizona Cardinals coach. They are who we thought they were. They're proving that right now, yeah, they're, they're a six or seven win team. And I want to put a feeder out there for, for the fans listening and, and for y'all to Before the season, if you was to say, okay, this team's going to win six or seven games, how happy would you be? You know? I'll take, yeah, take it. Okay. So, but now that they had that win over Texas, and you do have to now see what Texas has done with their quarterback. You do have to see what you know, Texas a did against Alabama when their quarterback got settled in. That has a lot to do with it because, you know, Bo Nix was, I mean, he was 21 of 26 yesterday. He was just doing what he wanted to do, our defense. Plus, our defense, you know, you got three guys out on the defensive side of the ball. So there's a lot of things that plays key into this. And it's, I think what's frustrating as Hog fans and us is it's like, okay, here we go again. We're going to start out hot. And then we're going to fall flat in the end. But I still think you know you got UAPB did a buy, then you got Mississippi State. I think that's going to be a, a big stretch to where those are two winnable games, and you can get back on track. We've seen what happened at the start of the year. So you beat UAPB, you beat Mississippi State. Now you're now you're bowl eligible. You know, so it, then it just turns into and after what LSU done to Florida yesterday. I mean. You really got to make sure you win that Mississippi State game because LSU could come down and run the ball down your throat and win the game. So, I mean, with with the stuff going on with Ed O and him not returning this year, they might just be playing lights out the rest of the year to to keep try to find a way to keep him. So you don't know what you're going to get with that team. But to, to, for the extreme, but I mean, we've done this. We're dealing with Razorback fans; they're fanatics. You know, it's 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 great, or it's or it's. Feast or famine, you know, everything's great or everything's going to be bad. And we see that on a week week basis. But look what happened to Alabama's fan base after they got beat by Texas A&M. I mean, the message boards were lighting up, but uh, hey, let's fire Nick Saban. So it, it don't just happen in Arkansas. Oh, Kyle, I want to go back to the point you
2: made about Traylon Burks. He's one of only six receivers in the FBS and the only one in the SEC with 35 catches, 600-plus yards, and five touchdowns. He had his first two touchdown game yesterday. He had eight catches, 130 something yards, and he's four of the last five games he's had 100 plus yards all while playing probably not as healthy as he could be. So there are holes that and you talk about depth and everything that leads to inconsistencies, there's a lot of things that that lead to that, but only having that dude out there that can catch the ball and you're going to him 60-70% of the time. And Razorback fans need to enjoy it while they can because, look, we've all, we've already lost one NFL draft pick for the season in Jalen Catalan. That was obvious yesterday. Him not being on the field hurt Arkansas. So, enjoy Burks while you can and know that he's out there giving his all every, every play.
0: Yeah, no question. I think you said it perfectly. And that's just – we enjoyed – Moses Moody, we kept talking about that in basketball, and then we're about to have an, maybe another one and done in Nick Smith next year. And but just kind of switching sports on you there. But right now, the things that we are seeing Traylon Burks do. I don't know as far as just – we've had some really good receivers come through, especially about 10 years ago when we had the trifecta of – well, really the, the – uh, Quinn – what is the uh, – Quad, yeah, quartet, yeah. Yeah, quartet <laughs> of – I was going to say the trio of Joe Adams, Greg Childs, and Jerry's right, but also you got to throw in Kobe Hamilton, who was a year younger, and that quartet was pretty phenomenal too. But you just factor in all the things that Traylon Burks has been able to do, just the freak catches that he had on one – the two that he had – on the one drive against Ole Miss plus the ones that he had against Auburn. And so, man, it's just uh, – it's fun it's fun to watch him. I, I just hope he doesn't get drafted to a team in the NFC East. That's all that I can say. I'm <laughs> looking forward to watching the NFL. Go Pat, <laughs> go, baby. Hey, go Pack, go. Fine, that, that's fine. He can go to the north. That's fine. And we got, Tra- we got uh, Trayvon Diggs who's having a defensive player type season right now. We'll see if that continues. But I still don't want our, our D-backs to have to go up against a, a player of his caliber. But – I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. And this whole team is definitely looking for just another game. Or, well, I guess you could say a game of not to not to disrespect UAPB, but let's just let's call it like it is. They're not on Arkansas's level. So they need a game like that where they can kind of have a tune-up to maybe get some, some of the younger guys in, hopefully by halftime, certainly in the second half at some point. And then the bye week to just regroup and also get some injuries cleaned up there to get guys healed up. And look, we, we lost Jalen Catalan for the season. It really sucks about that, that he's going to have shoulder surgeries probably played his last game as a Razorback already. And then also Markel Utsi, And then there was one other one uh, who was the other injury that Bishop Bishop did yeah, play. Yeah, Ladarius Bishop. And so want to get all those guys healed up. And so you have to factor that into what happened against Auburn, giving up 38 points, but Guys, we know that Barry Odom's a great defensive mind. What has happened over the last couple of weeks does not take that away. But I think that, well, there's no question that some of the fan base has gotten a little bit over the top in terms of saying that he's better than Brent Venables or the best in the country, whatever, however you want to word it. But I've kind of gotten to... I guess the conclusion as of right now that there is no question and, and yes, I guess you could still use the excuse that he's trying to get more of his guys in there, but we do have plenty of talent on defense. And I have kind of gotten to where I definitely believe that he is a great coach. I'm happy that he's on campus, but I'm starting to get the vibe that he may have some trouble adjusting. Is that, is that fair for me to say? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because they adjusted their whole defense and, you know, went to a four-man front and still had, had trouble, you know, stopping, you know, I mean, Bo Nix just picked them apart. So, I mean, and at the first year, they were making good halftime adjustments. So, it's like when the talent level gets even or better than Arkansas, that's where they're having the trouble at. And another thing's the depth. I, I mentioned it on the last podcast when we were talking about, you know, Jordan Walsh. You know, you can get a couple of guys to come in and be grad transfers of basketball and totally change a team. I mean, Ridgeway's come in and really helped out some other guys, but it's going to take a lot more than that. You're going to have to have that depth, and I think we're seeing that depth. These guys and Coach Pittman center for the game, they're beat up. They're tired. So when you have stuff like that going on in this stretch, this UAPB game and this bye week could not come at a better time because guess what, Hog fans? The, the season's not over. We still have a chance to go to a decent bowl game. You don't have to, you know, worry about do we have to go to the Liberty Bowl or the Birmingham Bowl. You still, if you went out other than Alabama, you have a chance to go to a really decent bowl game and still have the shot of you know Sam Pittman, some other than you know we'll see how Kentucky does, but still be considered for the coach of the year. And after the year they had last year, I mean we're looking at five. So if you increase your win total, you get to seven, eight wins, two, three wins. I mean, that, that's something to look forward to because they're going to keep adding depth. We see the recruiting classes, they keep coming in. So it, you just – your high expectations, you got the Charlie Brown effect of, hey, I'm going to go try to kick this football. Oh, it got pulled out. Here we go again. You just got to, like we said before the show, come back down to earth, let let the anger, that 24-hour rule, and then look at reality and see that you know, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. So.
0: Well, we're up against a break. Up next, we're going to do a quick fall baseball recap with uh, with Kevin here. And so stay with us. Don't, don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again that's 4793686490 tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinman Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode 224 of the hog talk podcast, Kyle Sutherland and coach Cabo here with you. And we are about to go into our quick fall fall baseball recap from the uh, Cardinal and white teams playing each other. They split those games, but I want to tell you guys real quick about our friends at a plus insurance in Ozark. They have you covered for your home auto life and recreational policies. Check them out on Facebook at a plus insurance center, visit their office at three twelve West commercial street, or you can contact Marcus Berry or Melinda Gregory at four seven nine. 667 3626. That's 479 3626. A Plus Insurance Center in Ozark, Arkansas. And Kevin, as I mentioned, uh, this, I guess, Friday, I think it was, the Fall Baseball se- World Series schedule concluded with the Cardinal and White both splitting two games uh, at two apiece there. And I know Colin Smith was the head coach of the Cardinal squad. I didn't realize that he was a student assistant coach now. And um, so. They secured the nine to five win and a game two victory on Sunday before concluding the four game scrimmage series with a ten to two victory in Thursday's finale. So it was Thursday, I guess, that uh, everything concluded. And so, what were some key things that I know that you mentioned some of this stuff in your segment on the buzz last week? But what were some key things that you took away from the Fall World Series?
2: There's a lot of talent up there right now, <laughs> and th- that that cannot be understated enough. That there's more major league talent than there's ever been. And I'm not talking about just a few here or there. There, There's a chance that 80% of this roster could get drafted at some point, you know, when they're done with their career. Just look at what you have right now. You got a a new wave of newcomers coming in uh, to follow up on what we've had with Caden Wallace, Robert Moore, and those guys over the last couple of years. So the term reloading is basically what Dave Van Horn, Nate Thompson, and – the, the pitching staff is doing right now. Uh, you look at the, some of the new guys, Hagan Smith was really sharp the other day in his three innings of work. He worked 91 to 93. He can push it up there a little higher if he needs to, but he's big, he's 6'3", physical, has three pitches, he commands first strike. He's got a really good slider and a really good changeup. The slider is in the low 80s, changeups about 82 to 85. So he's really gonna make a push to get in that weekend rotation. The great thing that we, we saw the other day was Peyton Paulette back 100% healthy, and he's got his stuff working. He's more physical now. He's put on some good muscle. He rehabbed, you know, towards the end of the season. We were worried he was going to have to have surgery. That didn't happen. He rehabbed. He's back out there through an inning the other day in, in game four. His fastball is 93-96. Curveball still has that same high spin rate north of three 3,000, which is MLB level. So, you're going to have a lot of pitchers out there. Jackson Wiggins is throwing strikes. He's not walking very many. He's got three pitches now. He's got a little cutter slurve, cutter slider type combination that's thrown a little bit harder than a slider. And then you got, then he's got a changeup. Plus, he's still throwing 94 to 97. I think he's got to work on getting more movement on his fastball, but he's still going to be dominant when he gets out there. Our hitters are really good. Braden Webb has had a really good fall. I think he's hit eight or nine home runs in the scrimmages that they've had. And that is the potential that Dave Van Horn has thought Braden Webb could provide all along. So when you have that kind of leadership, not only in the outfield, it helps bring along some of these young guys that are, that are capable of playing at a high level. Peyton Stovall took Jackson Wickens deep to center field the other day. Uh, Stovall had a in, real little rib injury early on. He was out for a couple of weeks. Drake Bernardo is another one that can play up the middle. So this is the most versatile team, I think, that I've seen in a while as far as offensively because you got a lot of options. You're going to have some odd men out, and maybe it's Ethan Bates or Jace Borof, and those guys are going to be really good DHS. I think it's top to bottom. It's going to be a powerful lineup, but you're going to have guys that there's not really a weak spot in the lineup. They're They're used to having – Five six guys that can hit multiple, you know, double digit home runs. But I think you're going to see that more, and I think you're going to see higher batting averages because we got some really good hitters on this team. You know, Jalen Battles has been out all fall with that uh, shoulder shoulder injury, so you're going to have a really strong middle. Michael Turner, the transfer from Kent State, has really looked good behind the plate. He had three RBIs in game four the other day, along with Brady Slavens who's mainly played outfield. You know, he played first base and was DH, played right field some, but he's going to work exclusively in the outfield. So you got Braden Webb, Brady Slavins in the outfield. Uh, who's that third outfielder going to be? Is it going to be Caden Wallace? Maybe. They've had him at third base a lot. So a lot of interchangeable parts. A lot of people you can put at the corner outfield spots or corner infield spots. And you just you have 12 or 14 guys instead of nine or 10 that you can put out there. It's just there's a lot of talent, Kyle.
0: Yeah, and I, you answered just about everything that I was going to ask about. But one that uh, I guess the million dollar question: you, you can't replace Kevin Cops because that that kind of <laughs> level of productivity is just probably never going to be seen on the hill again. Uh, you mean maybe maybe in another generation or something? But you just don't see that often. But who do you think who do you expect to be as that closer setup man type role? You think the Zeb Vermillion might be there close to the end of the game, or he could possibly be a starter? Where do you think that maybe he's at right now? Because we've seen him in both of those types of roles.
2: You know, we went into last year thinking Zeb coming off the COVID year had seven innings, no hits, and was really good. So we thought, yeah, he may be that. But his fastball was like 91, 92. And I know cops prove that you can get people out without a fastball, but you got to have some really explosive other stuff, too, and he showed that. Uh, one that one guy that really interests me is Elijah Trest because his freshman year, his first year out, he was 94, 96, and just really strong physical right-hander that had a lot of good movement. And he's really kind of found that form again. Mark Adamiak is another one I would look at. And then Evan Gray, Evan Taylor, those are a couple of guys to keep your eye on. Taylor, of course, is the lefty that – they're out there throwing strikes and they're they're missing the middle of the plate. And that's what you need to be effective as a closer is not only be able to throw strikes, but miss barrels. And that's what Kevin cops did. So you, it's going to be a lot of people auditioning for that spot. Uh, Who knows if they can have Wiggins out there as a starter, I think they're pushing for that. And then you got a lot of guys that haven't pitched yet. Nick Griffin, the lefty from Monticello who was a top 100 recruit, Tyler Ketchatori. Is another one. He he's healthy and pitching. He pitched some in the Fall World Series, so they're going to have a lot of options. You got you got guys that are throwing a lot of heat. I think you got fifteen guys that are ninety plus right now, and then you got twelve or thirteen that can bring it up there ninety five plus. Connor Nolan has looked good. Uh, He's given up a couple home runs, but you know who hasn't pitching against this lineup, whether it be the Cardinal or the White or anybody that's you know up there hitting the baseball for the Razorbacks. So they're going to have some options. I think right now, if you look at Heston Toll and Peyton Paulette are the ones that I would pencil in for the weekend spot. Tolls look really good coming off a really good spring out in California or summer in California. And then that third guy, it may be, you know, could be a Wiggins, uh, could be a Hagen-Smith. They're just going to try to figure that out. And then it'll separate itself out from there. Who can they trust to go in and get three to six outs? As we went along last spring, we saw Cops it would go, okay, he can go in for two innings, uh, he can go in for three innings, or just get him to the sixth inning and then he can finish the game. We saw that a lot when Wicklander pitched on Friday nights. And, and then at the end of the year it was, okay, Kev, go get us the last uh, 21 out of the ball game. You won't see that again because we don't have that guy on campus anymore. So uh, you'll see a whole pitching staff and not just a couple of guys. They're going to have to rely on that, and guys are going to have to step up.
0: And the final question that I have that, I again, you went through all of that there and answered probably just about everything that uh, everybody has right now, but the catcher. As we looked at cops, the guy on the mound there, the Golden Spikes winner, best baseball player in the country, but one of the better catchers in the country, Casey Opitz, who seemed like he was at Fayetteville forever, and Fayetteville forever now with the Chicago Cubs organization. What's it looking like there behind the plate?
2: I think this is the first time in six years they, they haven't gone into – after fall ball, knowing who the guy was going to be, we got a couple options last year because they had some really good transfers come in. Uh, Michael Turner, I-, I really believe he's the guy leading the pack right now. And then you got Dylan Leach, who should just be a, a freshman coming in this year. He enrolled early. He got to learn under Casey Opitz for a full year. He even got to start a couple SEC games. Come in, fill in uh, when Opitz when they had you know five or six games in a week, and they had a midweek break. Leach got some quality time last year. He needs to get better at receiving the baseball. He's got a trampoline net right now. When I say that, the ball pops out of his middle And When that happens, you cannot call strikes at the SEC level, especially when you're 93, 94 in the corner and that ball pops out. There's a good chance you won't get that call from the umpire back there. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Uh, he's got a really good arm, really good bat. Uh, Michael Turner is a proven vet. He's a grad transfer. Hits well from the left side. He's got a little pop, too. I think he's going to hit a little bit better uh, than what Casey Opitz did. Uh, but you're going to lose that, you know, that captain mentality that Opitz brought, just that energy. Uh, and then you got uh, Late Pinckney, who came over, I think, from Houston. Uh, he mixes in well. He could probably play first base also. It just depends on, you know, if they want to get his bat in the lineup. But right now, I would slot in Turner. As my one, leeches is my two, and those two will battle it out in the spring.
0: There you have it. That's what we got for baseball right now. Looking forward to another great season, man. I'll tell you, Heavy Cabo, we can uh, put it all together and, and finally do it this year. I know uh, Dave Van Horn has been one of the most consistent coaches, and once he gets that, that final uh, game in there, that final series being the National Championship Series, I don't really think there's going to be much question of who the best in the, in the nation truly. I know that we like to use that GOAT term a lot, and I really like him. Definitely the most consistent, but it would be great to finally hoist that trophy and, and uh, do the final dog pile of the season. So, I mean, <laughs> no, guess, no doubt. Yeah, and, then, yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I, and I think that you got a lot of other competition in the SEC right now, Kyle, that Mississippi State's just coming off a national title. Vandy's back. They're loaded. Ole Miss has got a ton coming back. So, if you get through the SEC, you got a shot to get the Omaha and win it all.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially, yeah, Tim Corbin there. I know that Vanderbilt fans would – have something to say about uh, us saying Dave Van Horn's the best. He's definitely done a great job there and plenty of plenty of uh, competition in the SEC every single year. And I know LSU has been a little bit down compared to what they normally are. They're always a national contender, but so but nonetheless, looking forward to, to February once we open up baseball again. And so well, that'll do it for episode two twenty-four of the Hog Talk Podcast, brought to you by our friends AdBet Online. And again, remember if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the pod. Reporter Hayes, Kevin Bohannon. My name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you on Friday.